Good evening, everyone. As promised, this week we'll stay in the era of exploration, but talk about the impacts in public health of the disease known to us as syphilis. Let's get started. To start, let's explain what syphilis is. As per usual on this podcast, it's not nice. Syphilis is a sexually transmitted disease with several stages. It starts out with a small, painless sore in the genitals, rectum, or mouth. After about a month, that progresses into a body rash that may last to around 10 weeks after the first infection. And finally, 3 to 15 years after the original infection, syphilis enters its third phase, which causes serious damage to the brain, nerves, eyes, or heart, and is potentially very lethal. We're not entirely certain where or when syphilis exactly originated, but what is certain is that it reached epidemic proportions in the late 1400s, first in Naples, and then began to spread to the rest of Europe. There are a number of theories, including that Christopher Columbus brought it back from the Americas to Europe, or just that it mutated around this time, in a way that made it more serious. Regardless, European physicians of the time considered it to be a new disease. And so what we now call syphilis originally started out with a ton of different, pretty xenophobic names. The French called it the Neapolitan disease due to the epidemic in Naples. I guess the Italians didn't like that very much because they called syphilis the French disease. And unluckily for the French, that one became fairly popular, with the British and Germans also calling it the French disease. Elsewhere, other folks had their own scores to settle, so the Russians called it the Polish disease, and the Polish called it the German disease. There was also some religious discrimination in there too, besides just ethnic discrimination, with the predominantly Muslim Turkish people calling it the Christian disease. In India, the Muslims and the Hindus blamed each other for the infection. Basically, everyone claimed it came from somewhere else. Conveniently, a somewhere else that they did not like. The word syphilis, though, comes from a poem written in 1530 about a shepherd named Syphilis, spelled slightly differently, who insults the Greek god Apollo and was punished with the disease syphilis as a result. The poem actually described the symptoms, course, and treatment of the disease, and became so popular it led to the general adoption of the name syphilis for the disease, which is where that comes from. Today, syphilis is treatable with antibiotics and can be quite serious. But in earlier times, syphilis tended to present symptoms even faster and was more severe. It also became extremely widespread in Europe around this time, probably for a host of reasons. One is that there was a great deal of warfare in the time, often relying on mercenaries from all around Europe, and often fighting for many years. Between mercenaries intermarrying with locals, partaking in prostitution, committing war crimes, and then traveling far and wide, syphilis was able to spread far further than would normally be possible. Despite what you might think of older times, this was a time period of relative sexual tolerance, and so there wasn't a stigma attached to the disease at some points. It also meant that efforts to acknowledge and combat the disease were widespread, which is good. Stigmas tend to create a lot of problems in public health, many of which were avoided in this instance. People didn't try to hide their infections, for example, and one German knight even published an account of his experience. In the same vein, information about syphilis, like how to identify, prevent, and combat it, spread very quickly around this time. By 1530, when the poem where the disease gets its modern name came out, the sexually transmitted nature of syphilis was well understood, although certainly knowledge was not perfect. Theories of the time period linked other sexually transmitted diseases to each other. 
One theory by a famous doctor, Paracelsus, was that syphilis resulted from a prostitute suffering from gonorrhea and a French leper having relations, which is not how new diseases work. As a result of at least understanding that sexual activity was a common way for syphilis to spread, governments began to specifically regulate prostitution to try to limit the spread. This seems to be an early attempt at more targeted prevention of diseases, like contact tracing, which I'm sure we'll talk about later in the season. Prostitution was incredibly common at the time. For example, Rome had over 6,800 public prostitutes in the year 1500. A number of cities expelled prostitutes out of fear of syphilis. Others enacted new regulations, like requiring examination for syphilis before being allowed to work. Measures that we've seen before were also taken, like specialized hospitals for treatment of syphilis or preventing people suspected of infection from entering cities. Often, medical care was free for those with syphilis, although it was often also compulsory. Possibly as a result of these measures, as well as new treatments with mercury and development of natural immunity, syphilis became a more chronic disease in the next few centuries. Although there were some treatments like mercury, these were generally extremely unpleasant, although not as unpleasant as the disease itself. We talked about this a bit back in Season 1 with Paul Ehrlich's research. However, it did remain a serious health issue, and as cultural norms around sex changed, a new stigma associated with the disease also appeared. These new stigmas caused the disease to go underground, making it much harder to address, and contributing to it persisting widely for centuries. Maybe we'll talk about that later, though. In this era, I just wanted to highlight syphilis as an example of better understanding of a disease, leading to more targeted actions taken by governments and the effects that social factors like war or stigmas can have on diseases and public health. Next week, we're still in the age of discovery. We're going to talk about some of the new theories of disease that become very prominent around this time. Again, sorry for a short episode. I've had a pretty busy few weeks. As always, thanks for listening. If you'd like to contact me, try the links in the show notes. Thanks also to Jojo Tang for editing, Angie Lee for cover art, and Muse Open for our music.